BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. We are a Christian nation. Non-believers, atheists, and Jews need not apply. (laughs) Believe it or not, a lot of people still believe that nonsense, preach that nonsense, practice that nonsense, and are still working hard to make it the law of the land. Hello, good friends. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod, where today we explore the very real threat of Christian nationalism, which holds that America was founded by Christians, is therefore a Christian nation, with Christianity our official state religion, and that the Bible, not the Constitution, is our founding document. Christian nationalism is anti-Semitic, racist, and historically wrong, but it's still openly promoted today by many Republicans, including Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and a top advisor to Doug Mastriano, Republican candidate for governor in Pennsylvania. And meanwhile, in one decision after another, the Supreme Court is chipping away at the wall of separation between church and state that was established by Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. For 25 years, as leader of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, the Reverend Barry Lynn fought against Christian nationalism. He joins us today to discuss the dangerous re-emergence and political power of Christian nationalism today, thanks to Donald Trump. Barry Lynn, it's great to reconnect with you. Welcome to the Bill Press Pod. It is so nice to be back with you. So, Barry, you and I have talked about some of these issues a long time related to church and state. Uh, And I thought about you this week when I saw Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene say, quote, I say it proudly, we should be Christian nationalists. Barry Lynn, (laughs) what the hell is a Christian nationalist and should we be worried about it? Oh, we should be very worried about it. And in some ways, we should be more worried about the Christian nationalists who don't admit that they are (laughs) proud to be Christian nationalists. But Christian nationalism, they're kind of different stripes of it. But basically, it says we should use the Bible as the basis for secular law in the United States. And so it's it's rather dramatic. In fact, uh, I think even before you came to Washington, I used to do a radio show with a guy named John Lofton, who wrote for the Washington Times. And he was a Christian reconstructionist. And reconstructionists are, in a sense, they're just a minor diversion from being a Christian nationalist, but they literally believe that every penalty in the Bible, particularly in the Christian Old Testament, mm. need to be applied. So, And the death penalty is what should be given to people, not just for murder, but for uh, being a recalcitrant child, for witchcraft. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, I used to do this radio show at the end of the afternoons, and I'd be so angry 
at the end of it, it, it lasted about a year. And then the company I worked for, which seemed to have been owned, by the way, by Christian nationalists, uh, there was some kind of a tax fraud problem and the whole network went under. But uh, those are the people I was dealing with, and they're all over the United States. What do they want? What do they really want? They want an entirely Christian government. They want a Christian government. They do not want people in public office who are not Christians. They don't want atheists. They don't want even uh, what uh, one one of them refers to as so-called Christians. That would be people mm. like me. And uh, <laughs> they don't want any Jews. And of course, uh, also this this week, uh, the Republican running for the, uh, the governor's position in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, has also gotten in trouble for basically paying a Christian nationalist who runs a, a, a social media outfit that is virulently anti-Semitic. Yeah, right. Uh, Andrew Torba is his name. Torba. Uh, he's yep. a consultant to Doug Mastriano, who is the Republican nominee for governor in Pennsylvania. So Torba wrote this week, a uh, quote, we don't want people who are atheists. We don't want people who are Jewish. This is an explicitly Christian movement because this is an explicitly Christian country. Uh, Barry, there's so much wrong with that. Where do you start, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. but this idea that, you know, this, uh, when I was running Americans United for Separation of Church and State, which I did for 25 years, but there were people on the fringes like David Barton, mm, who was a big yep. fan, and Newt Gingrich was, a, when he was Speaker of the House, was a big fan of David Barton, a kind of pseudo-historian who basically was a Christian nationalist and wanted people to roam around Washington and look at the proof in the buildings in Washington that this was founded as a Christian nation. Bingo. Yeah, right. Um, so, but I guess Christian nation, I mean, what kind of Christianity and who decides what kind of Christians are okay and which ones are not, right? It's their brand of Christianity that they're talking about. No, it's very much their kind, and their kind is very extreme. Their kind does not, uh, as, as you just quoted, uh, the nominee for governor in Pennsylvania, the, there are so-called Christians, they're they don't belong. And mm. Christianity is to be defined by how much, not only your personal life, in theory, we'll get to that in a minute, but also the entire policy structure of the country is supposed to be based on biblical principles. Then how do you square that Christian nationalists lining up behind Donald Trump? If there's, It seems to me if there's anybody who represents the exact opposite of Christian moral values, it's Donald Trump. Yes, and if you told them that they would find a reason to explain how he was a beginning Christian. He was he had rediscovered <laughs> Christianity. Uh, James Dobson allegedly said, I can't prove this, that, that uh, Trump was a baby Christian <laughs> during his first campaign. But um, no, it is, it is very difficult to accept this, very difficult to believe it, and very difficult to believe that there are actually people who believe every single public policy facing the United States is explained and an answer given 
directly by the Bible. Mm. So you say, I wonder what that is. Well, in my day, uh, before things got quite as extreme as they are now, there was a fellow named Wayne Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M. And Wayne Grudem wrote a book called A Policy According to the Bible. And in it, he didn't just talk about abortion and gay marriage and all of the things that he was against, but he even had a biblical citation for the next kind, the next generation of fighter planes that ought to be purchased <laughs> by the Air Force, the F-16. I mean, and then literally just uh, just the other day, um, I was on a show with a, a guy who played a clip of a, of a pastor somewhere in the Midwest who actually said that even term limits mm. is in the Bible term limits. I think it was in the book of Isaiah, but uh, I somehow, you know, I went to seminary and I just must have missed that class. And guns, that's another thing. Guns, oh, yeah. when, I, when I first got out of a, a little medical problem, I had, a, I spoke to the American atheists and the American atheists always liked me. In fact, they usually introduced me by saying, this is Barry Lynn. He's the only theist. We don't want to convert to atheism. But I talked to them about a church service in Western Pennsylvania that had occurred just a few months before, which was a, a kind of a remarriage or a kind of marriage rehabilitation session. A lot of people have them, you know, renew their vows and also a blessing of assault rifles all in the same service. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, and what, why, what is guns? Where is that in the Bible? We didn't even have guns, did we? And that there's a reference in the book of Revelation to rods of iron, ah. which they mean, they that covertly means guns. Any kind. Yeah. Uh, so in, in this heart of Christian nationalism, which, which we showed, uh, and I, Andrew Torba, again, the guy who's, who's openly said, uh, I mean, openly anti-Semitic, um, we also, didn't we, Barry, see the same thing in Charlottesville, uh, the chant, the Jews shall not replace us? Absolutely. I mean, there's a virulent anti-Semitism in the religious right. And notwithstanding that once, for example, that people like Jerry Falwell realized that there were conservative Jews, then he, I remember asking him, possibly on Crossfire when you were on it, um, he had just had a, a rabbi speak at some kind of a press conference he had mm -hmm. on some mm -hmm. subject. And I said, so Jerry, is Rabbi Smith going to go to heaven? And he refused to answer the question. And in fact, Jerry Falwell got in a lot of trouble when he was visiting Israel once because people thought he kind of suggested, we had to deny this, that Jews might be saved. That's how virulent it is. That's how ugly it is. It is uh, ugly anti-Semitism at the core of it and also racism, right? There's not a a big difference is there between Christian nationalism and white nationalism or white supremacism? No, there's almost none. Uh, there are people who, my uh, my former United Church of Christ uh, co colleague, William Sloan Coffin, used to say that nationalism 
was as wicked as racism and that you couldn't be a Christian nationalist at all and be a Christian. I mean, the evangelical movement is a white supremacist movement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why they're so excited when they can ever find a person of color mm. uh, to join them on a, on a television show, <laughs> right. to join them on a press conference. And, and this is why, you know, they, Donald Trump's endorsement of Herschel Walker was so important to him because he could say, well, look, I, I love African-Americans. Why I'm supporting Herschel Walker. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think, I honestly don't think that I have ever in the time in Washington known anyone who was as unqualified oh, and no. lack of knowledge as Herschel Walker. And he does something, by the way, that, that Donald Trump has done. When he says something particularly outrageous, like that recent comment where he talked about the air from the United States had floated over to China and China's air had floated over here, and that we have to clean that up too. And a couple people in the audience laughed, and then he decides after he gets criticized for this, oh, I was just joking mm-hmm. about that, which yeah. of course is something Trump says on a regular basis. I was just kidding. Yeah. Was was the was the KKK a Christian organization? Oh, it was virulently anti-Semitic, obviously anti-Black, but also anti-Catholic. Mm. The Ku Klux mm. Klan was anti-Catholic, and uh, and I think, of course, there still is a Ku Klux Klan in lots lots of parts of the country, and uh, they're probably as bad as the old time. Ku Klux Klaners, but probably not quite as violent. But the ideology is just as strong and just as racist. Well, I thought about that in watching um, on January 6th, as we all did, appalled at the violence at the U.S. Capitol. There were people carrying Christian flags, flags with Christian crosses on them, assaulting police officers at the United States Capitol. That's right. Um, it's, in, the, it took, yeah, in the name of Jesus, right? Exactly. In the name of Jesus. And uh, so hate has replaced love as the central message. I mean, it really is preposterous to look at the Christian Bible and to look at the New Testament and not realize that Jesus was a person who rarely, I mean, it's not, we, we know that according to the Bible, uh, Jesus cast out money changers from the temple. He got really mad about that, but he didn't conduct himself in an unlawful fashion. He didn't conduct himself in a violent fashion. He was genuinely a man of peace, and these guys are far from that. Even the police, they think that parts of the government are illegitimate, and I'm sure that if you got them in a room and said, well, why were you assaulting these police officers? they would admit finally that they didn't trust them because they didn't think they were good enough Christians, even if they professed to be. And mm. of course, many African-Americans are on the, uh, the police force in the District of Columbia and in the, uh, right. the, the marshal service and others that were there that day. So you mentioned uh, Reverend Jerry Falwell. Some of our best Crossfire shows, in fact, were those where you were on one side. You and I were on one side. Yep. And Jerry Falwell and Pat Buchanan were on the, exactly. were on the other side. Um, 
what, when did the evangelical movement become an arm of the Republican Party? Or maybe I should say, when did the Republican Party become an <laughs> arm of the evangelical movement? Yeah, it was, you know, Jerry Falwell got into politics. He, like many other uh, pastors, preachers uh, that are now in the, in the, have always been conservative, used to disdain the idea of electoral politics. Right. And said it's, don't get involved. Then Falwell's asked uh, by some of the secular right-wingers in the late 60s, early 70s, would you like to lead a movement where you could apply your Christian beliefs to our political process. And he jumped at the chance. Many of these pastors said, nope, I'm not going to do that. Jerry jumped right in right away. And the first issue he was interested in was not abortion, which Mm -hmm. is what most people think, but it was preserving tax exemptions for (laughs) private schools. Wow. Yeah. And now, and then, then he decides this would be a convenient add on. Let's see if we can get some conservative Catholics. You know, the uh, yeah. run of the mill Catholics are not anti abortion, they're not anti contraception. But Jerry found those people who were and built common organizations with them and, you know, got pretty far toward the abysmal result that we had just uh, in early July. 50 overturning of Roe. 50 years they were at it, they never gave up. That was their focus and they finally succeeded. That's right and they finally succeeded at something I think more than uh than just abortion. I I think it's clear that the next thing on their agenda is contraception because mm-hmm. the whole realm of privacy privacy was really created as an as a construct by the supreme court in a case called eisenstadt versus baird which was uh, the case that allowed contraceptives to be available to unmarried people they had already said you know if you're married you can use it mm-hmm. but the real the heart of the argument of for the development of a constitutional right to privacy came a couple of years later in this Eisenstadt versus Baird case. Baird is still alive. He's 90 years old. Whoa. I've, t- I've talked to him a number of times uh, recently and he, you know, he's appalled and uh, this is part of their agenda. First, they say most forms of contraception are actually inducers of abortion, which is n- medical nonsense, but they say that and kind of the Supreme Court has, in, in some fuzzy ways, seemed to already accept that proposition. And so I think that is literally the next thing. And I don't believe for one second that if Mitch McConnell regains control of the Senate, he will not immediately end the filibuster and pass a national ban on abortion and maybe even on some forms of contraception. Uh, and after that, the LGBT community, uh, same-sex marriage, or even the, the right for people of the same sex to uh, make love behind closed doors consensually? Absolutely. All of that is uh, at risk, uh, e- you know, even to um, uh, reading obscene materials in your house. I mean, that's yeah. also <laughs> within, you know. Right. But if, if privacy doesn't exist... Um, then we're really in trouble because then then you have to ask the question, what is the next thing, the next domino to fall? 
and I think you know the everything that you and I have just talked about are on the chopping block. Uh, it reminds me of uh, my famous that famous quote of uh, H. L. Mencken about Puritanism, the definition of Puritanism, right? The haunting fear that someone <laughs> somewhere may be happy. <laughs> exactly. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such a strange world that they live in. I mean, at, I don't know how many conferences, right-wing conferences you attended. But I mean, I would go to these things and I would have a debate with somebody, maybe a Christian reconstructionist or somebody who was similar to that, Ralph Reed or somebody. And then I'd hang around afterwards and talk to these people. And you, I mean, I would stand around for an hour and talking to them and not believing that they were actually people from this planet, much <laughs> less this country. I mean, I remember one guy who said, I, he said, uh, this, this was at a debate at uh, the uh, homeschooler university down there in Virginia. And I said, are you going to have your, your daughter go to uh, this Patrick Henry University? And he, he says, I don't know if I'm going to let her go to college at all. And I looked at him and I said, oh, good luck with that. She'll be 19, 18 years old. She's going to make up her own mind, right? <laughs> he, he didn't accept that. Patriarchy, that's the other great, yeah. the great uh, column on which Christian nationalism rises. All right. So uh, Justice Alito this year, this week, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, making news with a speech in Rome about religious liberty, that and a lot more we still have to get to, uh, Barry. I want to take a quick break. We've got to take a sure. quick break on the Bill Press Pod, then we'll be right back. Okay, friends, today I'm going to encourage you to uh, join this battle here to, uh, to tell the American people the truth about the separation of church and state and how important that is, and the truth about Christian nationalism and how dangerous that is. And here's the best way I know to do so. For many, many years, I've been a supporting member of Americans United for separation of church and state, and I encourage you to do the same if you're not already uh, a member uh, their website, au.org. Very easy, au.org. Uh, Americans United, they're out there in the courts, in the state legislatures, in the Congress, fighting uh, for the Constitution and not the Bible as our founding document and opposing this dangerous doctrine of Christian nationalism. So give them whatever support you can. Americans United at au.org. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we're back. Our guest today, for 25 years, he was the head of that great uh, organization you heard me talk many times about, uh, head of the American Americans United for Separation of Church and State, the Reverend Barry Lynn, our guest on the Bill Press Pod. So, uh, Barry, uh, Justice Alito, of course, who wrote the Dobbs decision overturning Roe v. Wade, he's off in uh, Rome giving a speech to the Notre Dame Law School or some affiliate of those, where he said, religious liberty is under attack in many places because it is dangerous to those who want to hold complete power. Uh, Barry, where is religious liberty (laughs) under attack? Uh, I don't see it. Do you? It has never been under attack. It is not under attack now, and it wasn't under attack when I used to hear that 25 years ago. In fact, if you ask people, what do they mean by that? I I remember literally asking a guy that came to one of my speeches who came up and said virtually the same thing 20 years ago. And I said, give me one example. And he Hmm. said, in the fire station near my house doesn't have a nativity scene anymore. (laughs) I said, what? That's it? And that's the only example he could give. So he didn't know that he on federal property, or in that case, city property, you're not supposed to be displaying what are religious symbols. Yeah. So, But that's the worst he could come up with. Right. And in fact, this Supreme Court seems to be um, determined, right, to, to, to do away with any expression of religious liberty by forcing a Christian doctrine. I'm thinking about... For example, one of the most recent decisions that this high school football coach, uh, everything was, was nothing wrong with him praying and getting a, <laughs> the, the, the football team around him on the 50-yard line in the <laughs> middle of the field after a game and praying. That, that's, hey, that's <laughs> fine, right? That's what six people said. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, you know, people may remember I'm also a lawyer, and I, I, I did expect that that was probably a case that we were going to lose, and it was an original Americans United case. You know, after oh. after I left, but here's, but I didn't expect there to be a difference in the facts. I mean the. the the religious liberty, so-called religious liberty aficionados on the court, just acted like he, he maybe suggested to somebody on the team, oh, come on out and, uh, oh, no. and yeah. uh, worship with me. But that's not what happened. And in the dissent, they're rare in dissents that you have a photograph, but Judge Sotomayor actually put in photos of these crowds of people 
all on the football team, crowded around the coach. And I just happened to mention to uh, my son-in-law, who was a, a, a quality wrestler in high school and is uh, from an Islamic family, He's he, he said, you know, the coach used to have us engage in these Christian prayers and we'd hold hands and we'd pray and we'd pray to Jesus. And I said, I don't believe this, but what was I going to do if I didn't pray? Maybe I wouldn't play. I mean, when they say religious liberty, um, I mean, it seems to me, tell me if I'm wrong, what they really want is that their their religion, one religion, have priority over other religions. Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is it is that their definition of religious freedom means they can do whatever they want in whatever space they want. And if you don't like it, tough. You just have to consider yourself a second-class citizen. And every time they say, oh, what's, what harm is it? You hear a Christian prayer to graduation, or we subsidize a playground uh, yeah. that happens to be uh, in a private religious school. What's the big deal? The answer is, it's always a big deal when you violate the First Amendment. And the second point is, you're not going to stop with this. You're going to want everything that goes along with it. And that's why also in this term, the Supreme Court said that if you have any private schools at all, as they do in the state of Maine, any private schools, you must, not that you may, you must include religious schools, even the ones Mm -hmm. that preach bigotry or don't allow, for example, transgender students to even attend that school. That's a forward game. How long before these six votes, same six votes on the Supreme Court, uh, put prayer back in public schools? Well, I think the next step is, um, you know, they do have smart lawyers. They're wrong about everything, but I mean, they're, they're tactically smart. The next thing they will probably do is to say that teachers in a homeroom class can also worship and ask their students to Mm -hmm. join them in prayer. See, these, there's no stopping this. There's absolutely. And what, what about creationism? It's just an alternative view to evolution. I think one of the things we can safely say about the Supreme Court, and we know this based not only on uh, some of these decisions on abortion, but also decisions during the COVID crisis, they don't much care for science, they don't much understand science, and they're not going to work very hard to learn it. Uh, And so underlying this is the fundamental question uh, I want to close with, Barry, uh, and that is the one that you and I have debated with others many, many times, that a debate we've been having in this country since July 4th, 1776, uh, (laughs) is America a Christian nation? That is the fundamental question, and the answer is no. It's not just because Thomas Jefferson uh, had a Jeffersonian version of the Bible that took out all the miracle stories, but it's because James Madison, who was much more concerned about separation of church and state than even Jefferson was, Jefferson, Madison, 
did one thing that the religious right constantly promotes. They say he voted to have a chaplain in Congress, which was true, but they don't tell you the whole story. When Madison left the presidency, and of course, it had been in Congress before that, he wrote something that's now called a detached memoranda. And in it, he said his biggest problem, his biggest regret in serving in the Congress was voting to support a chaplain. He said, we should have done that out of our own pockets, because that would have been a good symbol for everyone in the country. Touche, James Madison. Were our founding fathers Christian? Some were deists, but deists basically believe that there is a God who creates the earth and then kind of uh, lets us do what we want with it. And there's kind of a lot of evidence, uh, people would say, not just atheists, uh, that they uh, we've managed to screw up a lot. Is there a wall of separation between church and state? Yes, there is. It should it should be much higher than it is. It's a wall, <laughs> it, 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 but it but it's big and it's it's there and it's real. It's even more real than the wall with Mexico. Why is it important? It's important because if you believe that democracy depends on a genuine exchange of ideas, and that those ideas include ideas about some of the serious moral and philosophical issues of the day, then you can't relegate anyone. Right. Not a non-believer, not a Jew, not a Muslim, to second-class citizen because of your Christian autocracy. Uh, And there is a difference, is there not, between uh, a country where a majority of the people may happen to be Christian and a Christian nation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's still uh, a majority of people who define themselves as Christians in the United States. But even uh, on my occasional trips to Europe, you would find places that used to have state churches like Norway that are backing away from it. I remember being on a a church uh, in Norway on a Saturday and and the place was packed. And I said, tomorrow when you have church services, how many people are going to be there? (laughs) And the woman doing the tour said, six I said, six. I said, look at all these people. She said, yeah, but they just, they're just tourists like you are. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not the, the future is not to merge church and state. The future around the world is to disengage the church from the state for the sake of both. Uh, you know, knowing we were going to be talking about these issues today, I, I, I went back to some of the notes of previous conversations we've had, and I was reminded of a couple of things, N- not news to you, but maybe um, just to share with our, you and I can both share with our listeners. In terms of uh, the, United, the question whether or not the United States is a Christian nation, which you and I both know, is, uh, though it's uh, affirmed <laughs> and alleged by uh, so many on the religious right, not true. Uh, I was reminded about the Treaty of Tripoli, right? So this was this was negotiated by George Washington and John Adams. It was so the first two presidents ratified unanimously by the United States Senate, and the first line of Article Eleven says, "Quote: As the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion." dot, 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 and then it goes on. Yep. That's pretty clear, Barry. It's pretty clear, and it's um, 
the other thing is I can't think of a treaty since then that was passed unanimously by the United <laughs> States Senate. Everybody knew what it meant. They knew this was the right idea. And uh, this is uh, another thing that you ask, tell that to the religious right. And they say, well, it's just a treaty. Uh, it's just a treaty. That's, that's by my standards, not a clear answer. Uh, so again, uh, we are a Christian nation. Let's go look at our founding document. Let's look at the Constitution. As <laughs> you probably told me for the first time, Barry, uh, let's see. Key words, word search, Christianity, zero. Christian, zero. zero. Jesus, zero. zero. Bible, <laughs> zero. God, God, yeah, zero. Creator, no. <laughs> religion, zero, zero, all the way through, right? Our founding document. But they have an answer to that, too, because it's signed in the year of our Lord. And so they say, no, really, I mean, this is what they say. This is what they say in public. This is what they promote in their schools. And it is, of course, ludicrous as an answer to the obvious fact that God is not in the Constitution. Well, you know, Barry, they're never going to give up. And I guess the answer is we never have to give up. We, we can't give up either, right? No, we absolutely can't. I mean, any kind of uh, giving up politically is just kind of an act of contributing to national suicide. I mean, you look at the, at the possibilities in the coming uh, elections. Uh, the Senate is not necessarily lost. I mean, the pundits that say so, I think, are generally wrong. And uh, we just have to hang around, stay in the game, and play to win it, because everyone's freedoms are at stake. Barry Lynn, I'm glad you're still fighting the good fight, my friend. A good, great to, uh, to talk to you today. Thank you Thank for you. spending so much time on the Bill Press Pod, and we look forward to your upcoming memoirs. And when uh, when they're out, we'll do another podcast. We'll talk about that. Sounds good. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today with Barry Lynn from Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Uh, we'll be back, don't forget, on Friday, whatever's happening here in Washington, uh, we will wrap it up at the White House or the Senate or in the House. We'll wrap it up on Friday with our reporters roundtable. Don't miss it. It's always a great conversation. Uh, take care of yourself and then come back on Friday, the next edition of the Bill Press Pod, our reporters roundtable.